0: Hi I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 58 of my podcast Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's beginning to look a lot like April so here's what I've been up to this past week and a look ahead to the coming month. short and sweet. A beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper in fact just like me. Welcome once again to my weekly podcast. That week certainly seemed to fly by. I've been busy again at the workshop and when this podcast comes out to you on Friday I'll be gearing up to head out to carry out first inspections on the remaining colonies that I've not yet checked up on. I'm hoping the queen failures I encountered last week are the last of any immediate issues with our colonies. That will make a total of three failed colonies over winter, which is pretty good really in the big scheme of things. Before I talk more about the colonies and my plans for the coming month, I thought I'd update you on the progress out at the workshop. Well, I seem to have filled most of the available space out there pretty quickly. It's starting to get a little cramped and I certainly need to get a bit more organised. My main reason for taking so much equipment over there was to get it out of the rain and the damp. I need to make some repairs to a fair bit of very old equipment, mostly stuff I acquired when I first got started in beekeeping and it's now starting to show its age. I have some old Langstroth floors that I bought as part of a job lot of commercial beehive parts and what the beekeeper had done is screwed a piece of timber to the outside of the Long edge of both sides of the floors and converted them into a square footprint to allow commercial and national brood boxes to sit on top. They work fine, just like they are, but they're a little on the old side now and some of the wood has started to rot because water seeps in between the added pieces of wood and the main floor. It hasn't helped with them being sat outside through the wetter months, although this winter hasn't been particularly wet or cold. But even so, to sort them out now I need to dry them so hence I've moved them into the workshop where they now sit prior to being repaired. There's no point throwing them away only to have to buy new floors for my expansion plans this year. I'm beginning to cultivate that make do and mend attitude lots of my fellow bee farmers have and I now understand why with the prices of beekeeping equipment seemingly increasing year on year. Even with price rises We could probably all do with a change in attitude regarding our throwaway society. I see so much stuff being thrown away. It doesn't get repaired, it just gets dumped and buy a new one. We seem to have lost some of the skills in taking a broken thing and repairing it. Not everyone, of course. Pete was telling me about an electric drill he managed to salvage because the battery had died and its previous owner just dumped it. Pete, for those of you who don't know, has just started beekeeping and I'm mentoring him in exchange for some help around the apiaries and at the workshop. It helps that he can bring hot coffee across the road to the workshop on his way to work, but together we've made up a heap of kit recently and I'm excited to help him learn more beekeeping skills as the new season progresses. If you've not got a mentor and you've only just begun beekeeping, have a chat with some members of your local association and see if you can go along and help out with some of the more experienced beekeepers sometime. Just stand, watch and listen. Don't be in too much of a rush to get your hands on the frames. It's amazing what you can learn from a more experienced beekeeper simply by watching how they handle their bees. Anyway, back to Pete and the drill. Pete managed to buy a replacement battery and the drill works just fine and it's actually a decent brand too so well done Pete for your make do and mend attitude. It's going to come in handy as I've got a number of boxes that still need to be mended too. The workshop is about 10 meters by 12 meters or thereabouts so it's a nice size. Some of you might have seen the recent videos that I shot in the workshop. Uh, I think one was cleaning the smoker. I think it will become a makeshift studio when rain or cold stops us from getting into the bees this season so I really need To get it cleaned up and have the space available, should we need to do some shooting in there. Anyway, I've managed to squash a heap of equipment in there along with tools and benches. I'm still waiting on a tap to be fitted for running water, but once that's in place, I'll be able to heat up some water and wash a pile of frames from supers and brood boxes that need cleaning and re waxing. Once those are cleaned, it will open up a really large area within the workshop, and I think we'll have a bit more room. I actually found a pile of unmade supers yesterday afternoon and have started to put those together. They're national supers so have eight pieces of wood to fit together. I should have really gone for the commercial supers because they're only four pieces of wood but I have way too many national supers now so it's easier just to stick with the same ones. These make up the bulk of my supers and fit both the national and commercial hives so it's easier just to stick with those. I do now have Langstroth supers of course. I guess they're actually called shallow boxes and these will only fit the Langstroth hives so it's important to keep them all at the one apiary. That's the Happy Valley Honey sponsored apiary from last year. The Polly Langstroths have overwintered really well and I'm looking forward to seeing how they develop over the coming spring. The bees in them though are still a little defensive although I've only looked at them the once so maybe they'll calm down or maybe I'll have to requeen them. I have a feeling I'll soon find out one way or the other. I have a box full of shallow Langstroth frames back at the workshop. I say frames but they're more bits of wood that need to be made into frames. It's not a problem apart from the fact that they need wiring as well. They have the holes drilled into the sides of the frames and I need to put in the metal eyelets and wire them and it's something that I've never done before so that'll be an interesting task ahead. I'm sure there's a technique to it and once I've got the hang of it I'll have no problem. I'm sure it'll be a simple job and we'll try and shoot a video of it at the same time. I did manage to get the smoker cleaned out and I shot a short video showing how effective the washing soda is at cleaning off all the residue. I did spend an age scraping the inside of the lid to remove the tar and soot that had accumulated but I got it pretty much clean and ready for the new season. Earlier I mentioned watching others and learning from them. Well I'm always learning too and had a lovely message from one of my patrons, Bruce Kelman. Hi Bruce, I hope you're well and those bees are looking nice and strong for this spring. Bruce has only been keeping bees for a couple of years now and is a watcher and a listener, so he's learning fast. At one of his local meetings it was suggested a good way to remove the tar and soot from the top of the smoker was not to do what I did, which is to spend an age scraping it away, but to take a propane torch and burn it off. The theory being that because it's combustible it will burn back to a charred ash and then it will clean off more easily. Firstly it sounds like a really simple way to remove that tar and secondly don't ever think that you know all there is to know about beekeeping. Here I am happy to learn new tricks and skills from a second year beekeeper. Bruce thank you so much for your suggestion and to everyone else out there If you're using something or you're doing something, a particular method that works really well for you, then please do share them. I'd be very happy to learn new skills. Obviously the smoker is now clean so I'll have to wait until the end of this season to give it a try. But when I do, I'll shoot a video to show you how it turns out. Bruce is in the States and was telling me his bees have come through the winter really strongly. It seems we've all had a good winter this year so fingers crossed our luck with the weather continues into a great early spring. So, back to the workshop and some of the jobs I've been catching up on. I made up a few hundred frames this week, all brood frames, as we need those first as part of the spring clean process. That's where I swap out the floor, the brood box and the crown board, and at the same time I usually replace three or four frames of old tatty comb with fresh frames and foundation. Sometimes there's no need, as the colony might be a relatively new colony in that hive, With fresh comb from the previous season. Swapping out the old comb really helps with the colony health and its honey production abilities. As the old comb gets darker and dirtier, there's less space available for the bees to store resources and also less space for the queen to lay eggs in. This in turn restricts the brood nest size and can be added to the list of reasons a colony might swarm, so it's a useful process to follow. It also helps to keep pests and diseases at a lower level by removing any infected combs. Nocema is a good example of a disease that's reduced nicely when you remove infected comb. The comb can be cut out and rendered down. The frame's boiled and re-waxed, ready to be reused. So we filled lots of spare boxes ready for the spring clean and I'm feeling less pushed to have that task sorted so I don't fall behind my cleaning plans. On the subject of plans, I've just agreed to move a large number of my bees onto oilseed rape. I drove out to check out the site this week and was struck by the fantastic variety of wildlife we saw as we walked the oilseed rape field. The site is enclosed on three sides by woodland and as we drove up to the field a young roe deer buck ambled along the grass margins and just glanced across to us and then walked back into the trees. A little bit further along another deer sprang out of the field and darted back to the woods as well and there were squirrels dashing around and lots of woodland birds flying from the margins back up into the trees. It was still quite early in the day and so very quiet and peaceful, and it's one of the reasons beekeeping can be so enjoyable. Anyway, the oilseed rape was, I would say, less than 5% in flower, but the buds were developing fast, and I think by the end of next week, much of the field will be yellow. I discussed with Paul the farmer when he was likely to spray the crops for pollen beetles. They were already attacking the flower buds in high numbers, and it really needs to be dealt with. This is an important part of any relationship you have with a farmer talking about when crops will be sprayed and the implications to your bees. I had a call yesterday to say that the field would be sprayed prior to my bees being moved in so all is well. I've never had a big problem with my bees being on farmland and that's down to cultivating the right relationship with the farmer and talking about the timing of treatments and how they may or may not affect your bees. I think the bees will do very well on this early season crop for me this year as long as the weather plays ball of course. I'm out adding queen excluders and supers today and tomorrow. The weather forecast is set to warm up a little before the weekend and then it's going to get cool again of course. But the colonies I have will be out as long as it isn't raining heavily and I want to make sure I've given them enough space early on. I won't be carrying out any full inspections yet, just a quick look to make sure that they're queen right. That's to say that they have a queen that's laying plenty of worker brood I've no doubt they have plenty of pollen going in at the moment. Most of the bees I'm seeing are going back in with lots of willow pollen in particular. And now the oilseed rape is in flower, there'll be more of that to follow soon too. The colonies I put on the oilseed rape will get extra space as well. When the nectar flows, it really pours in from the oilseed rape, and the bees will need lots of room to stash it away, ready to process into honey. So, what should you be doing for the coming month? Well, as always, It's a tricky month, the weather can play havoc with our plans. For instance, this Friday my local temperature is supposed to hit 16 or 17 degrees centigrade, which is something around 62 degrees Fahrenheit. Nice comfortable beekeeping inspection weather. But next week we're back down to the 7s and 8s centigrade again. I won't be going back into my colonies if the weather is below the low teens in centigrade, but ensuring that they have enough space for this month is really important keep them building and give them space to store any forage that they do manage to get out for. If you've managed to hold on to any drawn comb in your supers from last season I would give them that first and as they fill that up another super foundation can go beneath it. This technique works really well. Bees that are working in the drawn super are then forced to move across the foundation and soon enough they'll start working on it drawing out that foundation into fresh new comb. I always use a queen excluder so these boxes will go above the excluder. With any luck we should be done with feeding the colonies. I was at the workshop yesterday and although it was quite chilly Pete's bees in the hive at the back were busy flying and foraging. Lots of pollen coming back in so although it's too cold to inspect it's certainly not too cold for the bees to go out foraging. Of course they'll consume lots of those stores that they bring back and the pollen will go to raising more brood which is exactly what you want at this time of the year. The BBKA Spring Convention is just a couple of weeks away, a weekend of lectures and talks, seminars and lessons and of course there'll be the usual trade show and I'll be wandering around the exhibition centre for most of Saturday so if you're there do stop and say hello. I'll probably be loitering around my favourite stands, that's BB Happy Valley Honey which is also Modern beekeeping now, Brunel microscopes, maze more apiaries, and bee equipment. It's a chance to get those last minute bargains before the season really kicks off. I know I need some more commercial brood frames, and I want to spend a bit more time checking out the honeypore queen mating nukes in particular. I saw them at the Bee Tradex show, and I really liked the look of them, but I just didn't get enough time to take a really close look. So, Paul, if you're listening, I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks. April is of course a frustrating month for beekeepers who are keen to get stuck into the new season but have to hold back because of the weather. Just be patient and let your bees build up and before you know it there'll be huge colonies foraging heaps of spring nectar and swarming. There I said it, swarming. Lots more to come on methods of slowing down colonies to try to prevent swarming but I'll save some of those thoughts for later in the month. Before I go remember to take a look at my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. If you haven't already signed up, my new season videos will soon be arriving with lots of tips and techniques to help you have a successful beekeeping season. Well that's it for this week, thanks for hanging around until the end of the podcast. I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.